welcome to another episode of It's a Packed Life podcast. Today is Friday, September 9th, 2022. And today for my show, I have brought back my family. It's going to be Corey, Rory, and I, and my brother Simon, who is also living here with us now. And we're going to have a conversation about unconditional love. And also, as an extra intro, sometimes we just catch some fun gems since the microphone is already recording. Recording in progress. Welcome to today's podcast of It's Pack Life. What? Here's your host. You have, you like so mumbled that. Well, try to get, do your radio voice. You've got a face for radio. Give us a whirl. Hello, everybody. And today we are on the It's Alive. It's Alive. It's Alive. It's Alive. Okay. Rewind. Go. Welcome to the It's Alive podcast. And today with our host, Celeste. And our guest. Hello, I'm Corey. I'm Rory. And I'm Simon. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> I thought it would be kind of fun today for us to talk about. Um, the different ways that we shape family, that it's not necessarily about blood, um, although it can be. What is that? Not a good topic. Should we talk about something else? I was just thinking about how like our family of origin is simply that where we originate. It has nothing to do with maybe how we ultimately define family. What do you think? What do you think, Rory? I agree. I mean, one of the things that I had a psychiatrist ask me was, he asked me if I love my parents, and I said, well, of course I do. And he goes, why? Just, just because they're based, she doesn't really have to love them. Oh, God. If they were mean and rude, and, and it made me think about it, you know, do I really love my parents? Well, maybe we should talk about some of the definitions of what love is to us. Um, right? Because I do love my parents, but the way that I love my parents is not the same way that I love the family that I've created. Yeah. Because it's not safe for me to all in have loved my parents in that way. You know, and um, Simon and I siblings, mom's gone 12 years this year. Yeah. And Um, I think you and I talked about this a bit on the drive about like, the different types of not not so much the different types of love, but like how we define love and how that matters. Here's a question that I've been like tossing around in my head for a while. Do you think love can ever truly be unconditional? Mm, not entirely. I don't think so either. Because I don't think it's safe to unconditionally love someone. Yeah. Like I think that that phrase unconditional love has been used for too long by people who want to manipulate and control other people and make them feel a sense of obligation instead of like earning their place in someone's life consistently. Yeah. Like you're just supposed to love me. So you will, we were having a discussion on this because you had asked me in the drive if there was anything that could happen then that would make me not, not, not love Rory unconditionally. And I said, it depends on how you define the word love. Yeah. That's what we can have. Because like, because obviously if Rory killed Corey, 
Which I would never do. Right. This, you know, that's my point. Like would never, because it's not innate to who he is. Right. So because of who he is, no, there's nothing that he could ever do that would make me not just love him. However, I mean, I would turn you into the police, but I would still love you. But let's, but if you were an abusive or harmful person, there would be a limit on where I allowed my love to go. And I think that's smart. That is, yeah. Well, it's how you defend yourself. I would hope that if I did something that heinous, that you would not hold on to love to me. Because that would be holding on to a pain. Yeah. But at the same time, so this is is where the reason that the conversation came up the way it did. Is because the way that I look at love and unconditional love is a little bit different. I don't expect it to necessarily remain just as constant, but I've had a lot of people do some pretty shitty things to me in the course of my life. And that doesn't mean that I don't care about them. And so like, sorry, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of how I worded it. It was like, all right. So I think that unconditional love without boundaries is impossible. Yeah. So, but what does what happens when the boundary is crossed? I draw a boundary and I protect myself because boundaries. The way that I see boundaries, and somebody said this to me, and I I've attached it is um, boundaries are giving people the opportunity to love you the way that you love them. I like that. Oh, I like that too. Right. When I drew, it, let's say mom was still alive. Right. All right. This is this oh. is actually phenomenal. This is a phenomenal topic. Let's say mom was still alive. And I came out this time and she freaked out. That's a very viable possibility, right? I would still love her, even though all the shit that she had done to me and all the shit that all the shit that she would currently still be doing, right? But I would draw this boundary that would say, no, this is what you need to do to love me best. And I would keep that in place because that's part of love the boundaries. I would put the dogs to bed. We'll see how this goes. Okay. All right. So boundaries allow people to meet us with love the way that we need to be met. Um, and pushing people away because of boundaries doesn't mean that we stop loving them. And it doesn't mean that we stop caring about them. It means that we stop allowing them to care. I like that. That's yeah, a good point. It, for me, it works a little differently. And maybe it's just the situation. For me, it was like growing up, I never felt like my parents liked me. And so because of how they treated me. And so... I couldn't love them back. And I didn't realize that. And I tried. And I realized most of my life I, I faked it or forced it. Like, and that doesn't mean I don't care about them. Sure. But I don't, like, after years and years of looking at it, I don't feel like I ever really loved them because of the way, the way they treated me. Absolutely. And I'm, I do want to say that unconditional, like, that kind of level of love, this is one thing that I have thought a lot about. When I apply that level of love to somebody, it is a choice. Right. Most people don't get that level of love. Most people, I don't commit myself to that. Level. But there are a handful of people. And there, I think this is the difference when we go back to family of origin versus family of choice. Right. Mm-hmm. If you go into my family of choice, that's when I give you that level of love. And if you've made it into that level of love because of it, like, let's say this isn't going to happen. Right. Because it's counter to who's selected. Right, and that's just not going to happen. But let's say Celeste all of a sudden became absolutely angry and was absolutely horrific and abusive, and like kicked me out of the house, and I ended up homeless. Right, I would be so incredibly 
hurts. Mm-hmm. But because I have chosen to love Celeste, I would, instead of just throwing her under the bus completely, I would be looking at why the, like, why it's not that way. And I would 100% set those boundaries to protect myself. But I also would be willing to let possibility of redemption happen. Right. So then the question really is, is that then a, a lack of a love in that space? Or is it, what am I trying to say? Like th- that possibility of redemption, is that what you call love? That's my question. If I am willing, this is this is where I consider love to me to some extent because of how things have shaken down over the course of the last few years. Is if I am willing to extend you the benefit of the doubt, that means I love you. Yeah. yeah. Right? If I am willing to look at your actions and say, there is a reason that this might happen that I'm not aware of, and I'm willing to engage with you down the road, then I give you that kind of love. Because, But it doesn't mean that I don't love you in the interim, right? But I am protecting myself and giving you the opportunity to recognize what changes you need. So isn't that actually then the definition of what conditional love is? Not to me. Because you're actually, the condition that you're putting on the love is the level that you allow yourself to love them from that point on. Except, but okay. I see what you're saying. And I, I think that that is a perfectly valid approach. And anybody who said that that's true for them is not ever going to, for me, be like, Oh no, that right. Cause that's not who I am and how I think. But for me, I still love them. Like all the horrific things, like the people who I have lost in my life who have treated me like shit. Some of them, I still love them. I still have these feelings for them. And if they were to show up again, I would 100% let them back in if they met my needs. If they if, treated you with the love and respect that you did. Right, because my level of love hasn't changed for me. What has changed is my my love for myself is equal. Boom! That I deserve to be treated with the level of love that I'm giving to other people. So. I like that. So it's not that my level of love for other people has changed. Is that my love for myself has increased to the point that I put myself first. I would agree that that phrase, unconditional love, has been used in my life to try to tell me that I'm not allowed to love myself Mm. at the same level as other people. I'm going to throw something at you, though, that I didn't mention in the car that might, might be useful for this context. Okay. I didn't believe in unconditional love until you. You didn't? No, I did not believe unconditional love was a thing. I didn't believe it was possible. This is something I have developed in my life and thought about in my life over the last few years because at some point in time, you did move and you told me that no matter what I did, you would love. And I was in a place that I couldn't love myself at all. And um, yeah, I had no love for And you saying those words to me made me think like hardcore. If Celeste can love me exactly the way I am, no matter what I did, mm-hmm. right? And you also had already gotten to the point that you had like established boundaries, you were being healthy and all those things. So I understood even in that moment that like, that just because you love me that much didn't mean that you were going to let me into your life all the way, all the time, right? Like right. if I was harmful to you, you were going to push me back, but it wasn't because you didn't love me. Yeah, It would be because you couldn't hurt yourself to love. Right. right. 
And that helped me shape this definition of unconditional love, this idea that no matter, like when I choose to give that kind of love to someone, no matter what they do, I will help them. But that doesn't mean I'm going to allow them to that doesn't mean I'm going to allow them. Yeah. Because I love my stuff. That is a really good way to phrase that. Right. So I think if we look at unconditional love as just a one-way street in terms of no matter, like I have to allow people to hurt me, then absolutely, like you should not have unconditional love if that's going to be the approach that you take to it. Yeah. Because that is so, so unhealthy. Absolutely. I like this idea that the condition, the the fact that there is unconditional love is what's out there. Mm -hmm. That's what's unconditional. But what we allow to show up in our lives from that needs to be conditional on mutual respect and And compassion. Um, I actually just got into a conversation on um, the internet with somebody because they were saying that like, Fucking internet. No, this was actually a good conversation for me. Awesome internet. <laughs> because it helped me it helped me do things. It started as kind of like an argument because it was somebody who I generally have liked the things that they've been posting, but this time they wrote it and I was just like, what the hell? Like I disagree. Because they were saying that there should be no consequences in an honest, safe conversation. And I said there is no such thing as an honest, safe conversation without consequences. And I think that's what this comes down to is when you have the kind of relationship with somebody that they deserve the unconditional love, the reality is the chances of them damaging it is pretty low because you have chosen to give it to them on a reason. And that reason you have done has normally been based on something like legal respect, the way that they treat you, et cetera. Trust. Trust, right? What do you think about all that, Rory? Honestly, I unconditional love like exists in a way that it should be conditional what you bring into your life from that. I really, I like Like for me, I feel like, and this is something that I've lived my life by. I know Corey's lived his life by this. Like when we look at you as our child, we don't think, yep, that kid's just going to love us no matter what. It's what can we do to make sure that you feel that love and acceptance and safety from us at all times. Because if we give you that, then we deserve to have your love. But I think that it is something that has to be earned. It shouldn't be given just simply from the fact that that my DNA cells and Corey's DNA cells made your DNA cells. Absolutely. That has definitely been what you're collecting when I said that that's always been my goal to make sure that you knew you felt loved. Because if I knew that you felt loved, then you would love us in return. Because then we would have earned it. And I don't know if that's the right way to say it or but that you would feel like you could trust us to love us. Because yeah. after like I said a few times, I never felt like I could trust my family of origin. Like I trust my family of choice. Right. And there's some overlap for me and my family of choice and my family of origin. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, like, so that's like being here right now. For sure. And, um there's and there's some level of care <clears throat> that and I would still call it a kind of love, but it's it's different that I extend to all my siblings and all my families except because of different yeah. things. But the this level of unconditional love where I have decided you are my family of choice, that has to be earned. And and so maybe, maybe, yeah, somebody would say, well, that's conditional. And I was like, no, but once I've given it, it's there. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't go away. And this is not something that I think is true for everybody else. I just right. know that for me. 
I know for me and my experience. Well, I think that speaks to a true level of trust in yourself, knowing that you have vetted the people that you have allowed in on that level with a level of trust that you can give that kind of love to them. Sure. Because you know, they're not going to betray that. Sure. This is who I am. I have always just loved. That's who I am. You are. You have always. I have always just loved. You have always worn your heart on your sleeve. Yeah, and I don't know how to not love. Even when you're sleepless. Even when I'm sleep. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good one. Like my the story with my friends, dude. Like whatever. That was that was part of what taught me about unconditional love because the reality is that friend who I'm gonna face with right now in my life, if she were to show up again and treat me with respect, I would let her back in. And I wouldn't say that to somebody who I had chosen to give that level of love to, even though she really hurt me. But because I gave her that level of love, there's that chance. Um, my, I still love her and I'm sad and it will be lost, but I love myself enough to say that these are wrong. And I don't think that that means that the love I have for her is a race. And I know that that's not necessarily true for anybody else, but that's how my worldview has been. So for me, like I look at those people and I know that I love them at that space in time, but that that same level of love and acceptance is not there at this space in time. And, and again, it's not to say it couldn't come back. But I'm also the kind of person that believes in the innate goodness of yeah. people. Despite everything that I've been through in my life, sure. I believe that most people are functioning from a space of survival. That's sure. the first thing, right? A sure. space of survival. And then a space of um, goodness. I do think that people are, for the most part, innately good. And that's not to say some people aren't going to take advantage and people say, oh, that's so naive of you, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. By believing people are innately good, I think that I can clearly see when someone's coming at me without good intention. Yeah. Because I recognize it as not innate to myself and therefore not innate to what goodness is. Sure. What were you going to say, Corey? Well, I think what I was going to say wouldn't make much sense unless I preface it with saying that I as a person have always been a very emotional person. Yeah. And so I have to be very guarded in the way I let give that to people. Yeah. Because I get hurt. Deeply. Yeah. And so I had to control that. Once you let someone into that level, if they betray that, you're done. I do. Once, if I'm betrayed, I do. I don't let them back in because we have the power to hurt those closest to us the most. Yeah. Yeah. And if someone does that to me, I, I just, I can't open back up. Well, and let's clarify when you say they hurt you that deeply, it was, it is, it has to be with like an innate intention to hurt you because right. you forgive over and over and over and over and right. over and over. But if someone has like intentionally and done it like, because seriously, they would have to do it. I, I would hope that after like this long in your life that it would be different. We don't know because I'm awesome and I don't treat you like shit, but, (laughs) but thinking about your first marriage, no spoiler alert, Corey was married before, but we don't count it. We don't count it. (laughs) You were so willing to forgive her and your bar was so low with what that forgiveness was. Like it was like, stop sleeping with the other guy. No, I was done there. That was no, not at first, because at first you said you would wait up at night waiting for her to come home. And I think that if she had come home at that point and said she was done, you'd have taken her back. At least that's what you told me at the point. I think that now 
Oh, maybe. You would be done. Maybe my vision has blurred over time. I'm also going to add in here that that is actually tied into that whole self-love thing, right? And that's why that self-love is so critical because our standards for what we allow into our lives for ourselves changes. It does. Mm-hmm. Like, totally agree. Well, you're going back to we teach people how to treat us. Yeah. In me showing Corey how he deserved to be treated by requiring a certain level of love and treatment for myself, he has risen the bar in his own life. Right. Very good. Which is why, Rory. That's our goal with you is to make sure that you know and understand what that level of love already looks like. So that when some dumbass shows up with all these red flags and shit, you can be like, look. Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more, no more, no more. We got to stop there before we get caught with like. Oh, I didn't know that. Woohoo. We can sing. Like if even if it's like if it's a snippet and it's in your own voice and not like the actual song. Then copyright does not. It has to be the actual song for like Boom! Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come. Just kidding. (laughs) So, Rory, what do you think right now? What are you thinking about? You have this beautiful, quiet brain that is constantly whirring in the background. I would love some thoughts to come out. As you ask me what I'm thinking about, my brain immediately went blank. You are your father's son. Rory, what are you thinking about right now? Whereas with Simon, it's like, so Simon, what you thinking about? He's like, well, the squirrel and the this and the that and the that. Yeah. The squirrel and the hamster and a weevil and his weevil friend. And tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I want to, I want to, I want to. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's actually, so this is, this is actually really interesting. Because I was thinking before you asked Rory what he was thinking about. I was thinking about like relationships and how those have progressed for me. Because what you were talking about with extending boundaries to Corey and how that taught him how to do with you. So I was married for 10 years to a really, really good person. Hi, Chris. We love you. And the reason I chose to marry him was because he had boundaries. Interesting. Right? And you didn't grow up with them. I didn't grow up with boundaries. But I had spent enough time around you to understand that boundaries existed and that they were healthy. And whether we were using those words or not, that's what I was looking for. Right. And the boyfriend I had had before Chris was also a good person, but he had no boundaries, which meant that like I was constantly walking over what he felt was comfortable and he never was giving me any signs of clear signals that that was true. And I would find out later and there would be a thing and it was just always problematic. And I didn't like who I was in terms of that. So I, when I started dating Chris and without even trying to, it was just a very natural boundary thing that he gave me. And he just like, was like, mm, yeah, we're not going to do that or something like that. I don't remember what it was. It was just like a very clear sign. And I was like, oh, oh, this is new. Like, well, that's cool. This is so cool. Right. Because it was very clear. You're like, we easy. can do that. We, we draw healthy lines. And so from being in that relationship with Chris, I learned how to establish boundaries in my own life. And it took a hell of a long time, but I did. And I learned how to, you know, make these things. And also it was fantastic because it helped me learn how to love people the way that they need to be loved, not the way that I want to love them. Yeah. Right. Which is a whole thing, right? Like we're, we're really good at giving love the way that we want to, but we're not necessarily good at giving love the way that people actually need to be loved. Right. So I, I made this huge journey to figure that out. 
And that's been really interesting because I have been in multiple relationships at stress and, you know, made varying levels of progress. And in my current relationship, it's funny because we both have incredibly intense boundaries in terms of maybe almost overcautious, but they're not an issue. Like, because if somebody bumps into them, it's the assumption of, you know, you assume the other person's coming from the best intention. So instead of getting angry about it, we're just like, yeah. hey, look, I, I don't think that you realized that you did this, but this is where I draw a line. And then also, like, we're able to be our natural selves in loving the other person. And it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this. Just led me to another goal. What does disagreements and fighting look like in a healthy, loving relationship? Very little yelling. <laughs> Very little, what? little yelling. Or no, I mean, some sometimes emotions come out, right? But it's understanding that hyper angry, I want to attack you. Yeah, it's not at the person, right? I guess a raised voice versus a yelling voice, and it's not an attack, it's a emotional outburst. It's a trigger response. I think I think that's why Corey and I, since the first couple of years of marriage, don't like fight fight. We'll still like have well, we disagreements, and I, I mean, what I would call a fight now. Yes, right. we, we fight, but compared to like at the time, right? We would have full out yelling. Like one time, we even slapped each other. We grew up in homes like that, so it makes sense that at a really intense, vulnerable emotion that showed up. It was not healthy. It was, well, okay. I will say this. It was healthy that it showed up in the sense that we both immediately were like, nah, this is not happening in our relationship. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say we've never had an abusive relationship because one outburst does not abuse make. No. Patterns make abuse. Yeah. And we both saw that that was wrong and that's not we were, were not bringing those patterns into our life now. Yeah. I remember I think it was um mom like you saying that both of you just stopped and like stared at each other for a minute after it happened and we're like what did we just do? Well not only that but you were there and that's even worse for both I think yeah. that you, you were a baby you were like under oh. two. <laughs> You were so tiny. Yeah. But you were there in that moment. And I think the juxtaposition of seeing the way that we grew up as normal through the eyes of the child that we love so unconditionally, I think we saw the violence for what it was in a way that we never recognized it when it was directed around and towards us. Yeah, we definitely did not like, but to see that in your eyes, that was like devastating to both of us. And if it's not okay for our kid to see it, it was never okay for us to see it and not okay for us to go through it. Yeah. And so we did some like serious digging in and decided this is not... And to be honest, I've never been tempted since then. It's never, yeah, it's never even been something that we we don't even argue that way. We just, we just, at that point, if we we got that mad, we would, I just snorted, we would go to opposite ends of the house. We had a 2,400 square foot house, right? We would go to opposite ends of the house and clean. Until we were both Until we were calm enough to talk. And it's funny because now we've hit this like stride in our lives where sometimes we joke and say, we just need a really good fight because we need a deep clean. <laughs> but it's been years since our emotions get to the level where they feel that triggered because we feel safe with each other at this point in time. I think that that brings up something that you and Jay and I were talking about the other day was about anger and how when you 
address the signs and symptoms of anger when they're small and like uncomfortableness, mm. it keeps it from becoming that level of rage. Right? Yeah. That's a very good point. Right. Very so that's what I learned. I think Chris would agree with this. It took us 10 years of being married. And I don't consider, like, this is just for them because you guys already know this. I don't consider um, that marriage anything. I don't consider that marriage a failure at all. I'm glad. And Chris would agree with that. But he's such a good person. He's so good. He's so good. And we learned a lot. And one of the things that we learned was how to address things early so that they don't build resentment because neither of us fought. We, we never fought. But we did learn how to finally like address conflict. But it took us until like the very end to get there. And we did it by, okay, so this is a problem. And instead of one of us making a decision about it and setting it forth, like let's talk about it now and all these things. And like, I don't know if my current girlfriend is like the forever one or anything like that. I don't put labels on shit anymore. I do know that it has probably the best chance of succeeding out of any relationship. How? Because how I address things and how she addresses things, they don't become these big fights. Like, I don't see them becoming these big fights the same way because when they're small, they get addressed. Yeah. yeah. And to some people, that feels uncomfortable, right? Because you're having these constant small. But for us, it's not because it's always with the assumption that the other person needs the best. And it's yeah. always with this love approach. So my best friend Gretchen got married almost a decade before I did. And she told me at one point, they'd been married a couple of years. I used to spend a lot of time with her and her husband, Jim, just hanging out with them and stuff. And she told me at one point that like, they don't fight because it's not that they don't have conflict, but they don't fight because the goal is never to prove who's right and who's wrong. It's to come to an understanding for what's best for them as a couple. And when they know that the other person is approaching the conflict with that same end goal, then the ego is out of the equation and you're just able to just handle the situation. Right. Cause there's, yeah. Yeah. There's no, like you said, there's no ego. There's no right and wrong. It's just, I mean, the there path? might be right and wrong, but no. The goal isn't to prove the other person wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm right. So. <laughs> so Corey and I are told a lot by a lot of people that we are like hashtag couples goals. You don't, you don't agree with so? Couples gold? Goals. Couples goals. Like, you miss our deal. Oh. You don't think we're gold either, though? I think we're platinum. Is that better than gold? Yes, oh. Okay. Well, I'll just rewind here. Okay. <laughs> we're told that we're quote hashtag couples goals like i have a lot of friends that are like what do they mean by that what do you think they mean by that their goal is to be like yeah that we're like the couple goal like when you have a relationship that's the kind of relationship you want to have apparently your dad rory does not feel that this is an accurate assessment <laughs> I, would, I would never think of us in that way like really i think of us that way like i just think we're a normal couple i mean like, really how many couples do you know listen to me all right like i mean we've got a great relationship but i it's got our issues we've we figured them out we move on i, I don't know maybe i just I think, I think what he's trying to like phrase it how he sees it in his head is that like what he defines as like a normal couple is an actual healthy couple which is what you two are and what people would as, would be like as a couple goal is that i think that's how he sees it in his head i don't think you. that's what he's seeing i think what he's seeing is the same thing he always does when he can't give anything a 10 on a scale of one to 10 he's always got to give it a seven or eight because there's always room for improvement <laughs> i'll tell you why people say this and it's mostly about you when i walk into a room your fucking face lights up not the golden life what do you think i know but we've been married now coming up on 19 years and that's rare 
Corey. Other guys just suck. Well, I'm not married to other guys. No, you're not wrong. A lot of a lot of cis men, this is coming from um a trans man. A lot of cis men are a bit blown away with how I approach relationships and non-dating women too, right? Like so we're like bonding over dating or whatever. And they're like, you give what kind of attention to your partner? And I'm like, this is what you should be doing, friend. Like, this is normal. This is healthy. You just have been allowed to your whole life not do this and be told it's okay. So you've never raised your own bar. So it's time to raise your own bar. And you naturally have done that. You have raised your bar. Most men are given a justification for what they do because they're men. They're not, right. not, not a space that I've ever given you. Well, but, and that's not to be rude or anything, but at the same time, I was 26 when we met. I'd been in so many crappy relationships. I'd been in a few good ones, but I'd been in all these different, and I was not moving forward. Absolutely. Because I was happy on my own. Sure. Well, There's no way I was bringing another person into it unless they had my best intentions at heart. Well, you're not egotistical, but you're still a cocky son of a bitch, and I love that juxtaposition. <laughs> I think that's I think that's where I'm fond of finding myself is a little bit cocky but not egotistical. Yeah. Kind of fun. It is fun. It's one of those things we have these conversations because people will be like, all men suck. And then they look over at me and they're like, All men without vaginas suck. Well, you hear those things. You hear those things. And then I'm like, but why do they suck? And if you give all men suck as a pass, and you say this is the standard of what we expect of men. Yeah, of course, all men are going to suck because people meet the expectations we give them right. if they want to, right? And that's that's what comes down to boundaries too. People will meet your expectation if they want to. If right. they think you are important in their life, they will meet that expectation. If you set it for them, if that's, you set it for them, that's what Corey is. And done. society has not that high expectation for men how they need to treat women. Well, not and only that, but when I've set those expectations for Corey when we were dating and when we were first mm-hmm. married, I was called by other people a controlling bitch in our relationship because I did not leave room for him to treat me like shit. Right. And, and that is not like, like it's bizarre to me having grown up as a woman and now being a man, like, because like the past that now you get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had recently I had don't one. take the pass Rory um so yeah but like there is that like I had one person who recently told me that they learned how to become a man because of watching me and I was like that's very weird to hear also very affirming but very weird to hear and it does but who this- better to teach men how to be a man than a man who grew up being not told being you. not treated as a man. And one of the reasons, so this is one thing that we don't like to talk about. And, and the reason we don't like to talk about is because men's right activists take it too far. It's that the way that we raise men doesn't really allow them to be themselves very well. Yep. Absolutely. It doesn't allow them to be soft. It doesn't yeah. allow them to be gentle. Yeah. And it doesn't, right? So there is a negative piece of how we are raising men that gets applied on them. And then as adults, some of them are able to figure it out and some of them aren't. It's going to take a cultural overwash of how we approach things. And because I came at being a man refusing to follow any of the rules, I get to be a man and anybody who interacts with me 
is like, yeah, you're a dude, but also I'm soft around the edges and gentle. And I accept all of Well, and you were given a space to be soft. Actually, I mean, it's fucked up because basically you're told you have to be soft. Right. I wasn't given a space to be the cocky son of a bitch that I am. Right. You were like, no, 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 no. Soften that. Fluff it with feathers. Right. More fluffy, more fluffy. And now it's like, and now show me your manhood. So many trans men as friends. they go all these different directions with how they land on it. And where I have landed on it is I am a man. I am a man who is my type. And I am the man that I just want to be. I am I am done playing bullshit games, regardless of who is giving them to me. Mm. <laughs> you can either take me or leave me as I am, and mm. it's fuck off. That is... Like, I'm done playing games. Absolutely. I have spent over 30 years playing games, trying to fit into somebody else's arbitrary box of who I was supposed to be. And I am never doing it again. And this is why I'm raising my child to burn the fucking boxes down. (laughs) But we provide a space for that where it is legal and no arson. We're going to wrap this up. This has been a really fun way to spend the evening with family. We hope that you've enjoyed spending it with our family again. uh, Thank you for joining us. Corey, you're awesome. Thank you for being here, for making this possible. I'm coming back to you, kid. Simon, we love having you in our home and as a part of our nucleus family. Rory, fuck, you're the one that has created such a safe space because in protecting you, I've learned how to take care of myself and I appreciate it more than I can say. Join us next week for another episode of It's a Packed Life podcast. (laughs) What was the phrase that we always used? Video. Oh, but it's not a video. Podcast out. This life is packed. (laughs)